If you enjoy this episode of Obscure Obsessions, please remember to rate us, review us, and subscribe. Thank you for your support. And now, Obscure Obsessions. What does she say exactly? Oh, there's her picture about her mahalo. Oh my God, I've never seen a person more interested in themselves. Uh, yeah, it's a, I see. On, on a, I see. It's like a Muppets. A little. Why did she send you something that has Polynesian on it? Because it's on her wall. Oh, you've seen, you haven't even seen, or you you were there. That must have been a new edition before. Yeah, I left. I mean, it looks like something that they just like printed out that you're not really supposed to. It's like remember, uh, oh, I what see. What was that yeah. called? Jump rope for heart. Like if you were in jump rope for heart. It's a participation. Yeah, here, here you go. Trophy. Here's your your jump rope for heart. Great. And then there's her. Um, as long as she's happy. What are they called? Um, S S O S. Oh, five S O S. Oh. Oh, that... five seconds of summer. Right, right, right. They're not. What was the other one that she liked? One Direction. Did you see who died today? Who died? Lisa Loring. Oh, the original Wednesday. Who was the original right? Wednesday? Yeah. Well, thanks a lot for bringing it down. Megan. I was watching. Remember, she has that famous dance. It's a very famous dance oh, where she yeah, does. Yeah, I yeah. think it's called the Charlie, not the Charlie. The Drew, which is they do that dance, and apparently in that new Wednesday show, she does the she dance does again. Dance, Jennifer, yeah. Jennifer Ortega. It could not interest me less. Though. Yeah, I mean, I was interested until I read that it was like Riverdale. That's an instant way to kill any sort of vibe or yeah, because you know, because actually, when we watched Daylight, that was one I didn't have an opinion on, as opposed to Wednesday, which I have an opinion on, and I it's possible I could be wrong about Wednesday. Right. Because I was wrong. I don't know if I was wrong about Daylight as much as I was surprised by it. I went in with an idea of what it was going to be. Mm-hmm. It was sort of something else, but I kind of enjoyed it. Well, I have to say I was really surprised and found myself enjoying it a lot more than I expected to. Because we were planning to be quite snarky, I think. I, I think we were anticipating a diehard ripoff. Yeah. But... Instead, it's more so a earthquake, Poseidon adventure, right. towering I ex- inferno. I was expecting Sly Hard, and we got <laughs> po- the Poseidon adventure. Because I really thought, yeah, okay, this is going to be Die Hard in the Lincoln Tunnel or, mm. or Holland Tunnel. And it turned out right to be, it had the elements of... Yeah, those three. All those really great. Not Die Hard, but the the real. It was really a disaster movie. Not and, but it, a, it was definitely um, a Stallone vehicle. But it felt more like those disaster movies of the '70s, where it's a big ensemble cast. I read, even so- though Stallone is clearly the leading man. He obviously is the leading man, even though at first I was thinking, oh, wow, he's not getting a lot of screen time. But then they, they allow, then he, I think then they introduce him into the actual disaster situation, maybe like 35 minutes yeah, in. But like he sort of introduces part of the cast. It's not like in Over the Top where it doesn't just get out of the truck. Yeah. <laughs> right? He just gets out of the truck. But in Daylight, you meet the other characters. It's, a it's, little bit. It's a, it's pretty much the same scenario as most of these disaster movies that have a cast that you meet individually. And I do remember initially thinking, oh, I'm not liking this because I don't know the characters. I My initial note was, oh, we should have spent more time getting to know them. But really, what they did was kind of smart because you get into the action of the story. And then there's that scene later on where they sit around and they talk. But... Here's what I, I thought was going to happen. People are driving through the Lincoln Tunnel or the Holland Tunnel. 
and terrorists take it over <laughs> and everyone's trapped and then Stallone has to go car to car fighting his way and in fact it was a chemical fire right or well so fire? there's a group of three what seemed to be 80s criminals trapped in a 90s movie remember those guys were all like tatted to their face right they were like and they had multicolored hair they're like the street gang in batman and robin yeah i would and or like um remember biff and his crew in back to the future part two yes yes they look like that right but they hijack a car because they stole some diamonds which i thought was gonna come back at some point yeah so did i i thought maybe someone in the one of them had the diamonds and, or knew of the diamonds. Yeah, and they were trying to get the diamonds. It was sort of a false MacGuffin. Yeah. Which I guess is a good thing because yeah. there was too much anarchy going on once the actual disaster begins. Yeah. To make it a diamond hunt would be kind of too much. Right. And then they're they're speeding through the link. Well, I do love that part now that I think about it. They never specify it's it's sort of a made up tunnel. Yeah. It's like how in Jaws three, it's not SeaWorld Orlando, it's SeaWorld Florida, because Dude. there is no gate to connect it to the ocean. Right. There's a car chase. The police are chasing these criminals, these eighties criminals who have stolen the diamonds. They go into the tunnel, and the the New York cops see them go in, and they basically <laughs> all right, I'll radio Jersey. It's so funny that they're so nonchalant. It's true. There's nowhere for them to go that isn't going to get it's them arrested. Literally the worst escape plan because you have <laughs> one exit. You can't go anywhere unless they double back on foot. I guess they abandon the car is the only other. But it's you either go forward or you go backward. You go backward. Either way, there's cops going to be waiting for you. And then they have that chase sequence. Right, where, where the, they get derailed. But why were they? Why were they in such a rush? Were the cops pursuing? The cops started pursuing them. Yeah. Okay. So, they but were, then it seemed like they gave up after they went into the tunnel because obviously. All I know is I saw them driving through the tunnel. I look down, and next thing I hear is a huge explosion. Yeah. Well, and I and look up. Then, because they derail the car, it runs right into a transport vehicle that's trying to transport toxic chemicals, <laughs> and of course. I read on the synopsis that it was from upstate New York, which I'm trying to figure out how you got on that side of the river. I mean, I guess if they came down from Westchester. Or like from Yonkers, right? Like they Yeah, came. I guess so. But that's not really upstate. But in the, I just thought they were like somewhere on, I don't know. I know they were in like Long Elizabeth Island. or Linden yeah. and like yeah. were trying to cross over. But they were going to dump it, of course, in the New Jersey side, which I'm not sure where else, where are they? I mean, we got we got enough garbage here. And then, but, but then they, the '80s criminals, the Coolio, uh, Coolio and the gang. Yeah, and apparently in Batman and Robin, he was supposed to be the Scarecrow. He's supposed to be Jonathan oh, I Crane. I think I heard that. And in the in the planned follow up, he was going to be the Scarecrow, which uh, Killian Murphy, Coolio, <laughs> are perfectly <laughs> analogous for characters. But they ram in. There's a huge chemical fire ball that go that that was, starts great. It was one of the most amazing yet incredibly stupid explosions I've ever seen in my entire life. I remember being really intense. And when it started, it was just bow, 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 and growing and growing and growing. And then it was almost like the scene in Family Guy where, where Peter's listening to the Maud theme song. And it just goes, or the Robert Loja right. tying back a little bit okay, to yeah. over the top, where it just goes on and on because and on. Because it is a... For the most part, a lot of the explosion in that initial destruction scene is done practically. Yeah. 
They really do ram a car into another car to have it catch on fire. There's real fire. And there's a definitely a wave of succeeding other explosions happening. But then it also begins to start becoming a parody because <laughs> there's a shot of, I think it's the actual truck that was transporting the chemicals it flips over and is then being propelled <laughs> by the fire over other cars and then those cars are still intact but they're being enveloped in the fire with the characters inside being like what is this <laughs> it's almost i'm trying it's, it's like in um picture in national lampoon's vacation when christy brinkley drives up and clark is sort of watching her uh-huh. but instead of it being christy brinkley it's a ball of chemical flames <laughs> and it did kind of do the crystal skull bit where because i felt like at a certain point i'm like these are characters we have seen and they seem to be building them up as this group of survivors that are going to try to be getting out uh-huh they're being enveloped by this ongoing wave of fire. I'm like, there's no way that this one car is okay well, for the explosion. And the car next to them is exploding. Especially because later on, there's... I forget who it is. Maybe it's George. And he's going and he finds cars and people are just chunks of mar- yeah, burnt marshmallow. <laughs> why were th- why did they survive? Why did the playwright survive, but this, not that person? This whole family of toasted crunch... Uh, you know they're just actually they're like uh in when uh, the joker when he does the the handshake right hot hum the old town tonight <laughs> they're, they're just charred but look that's a little bit of movie like okay well of course I'm, those people have to live because we have to have some characters and i'm willing to suspend my disbelief for it but it is a little bit all right you're losing me but you're gaining me back but you're still losing me yeah it went on a little too much but in a strange way it went on so long that eventually i got back into it because it did end with a incredible practical explosion that ended with the top of the tunnel the control tower Remember the whole top level blows up like at the end yeah. of uh, Die Hard? Yes, yeah. There was some really good practical explosions and it's, and it's in that ma- And the one car, I guess at the beginning, the the villain, the, not the villain, the, the Coolio villain gangster, they crash into that booth. And that's what then derails them to crash mm-hmm. into yes, the yes, chemical. Yes, yes. And then the walls fall, or the, the tunnel ends fall. And it starts to collapse on them. And then everyone is trapped. The survivors are then trapped inside, and then it's, of course... How do we get out? And I was reading, I don't know if it's accurate or not, that this was originally going to be a sequel. This is why I'm not exactly sure I believe it. It started out as a sequel to the Poseidon Adventure and was going to be about the survivors of that catastrophe. They're on a train in a foreign country and in like a snowy mountain uh-huh. escape and they are like a mountain passage and they crash in the passageway and they have to escape i don't know if i really believe this bit of trivia but i'm willing to believe there's a whole history i was reading that this was stallone had been working on two other projects at the time one eventually became the movie firestorm Mm -hmm. which i forget who's in that but that's where it was a firefighter who has to rescue people in a forest fire and there's a an escaped criminal in the forest Mm. who started the fire and you can actually kind of see a little bit of parallel with that. Kind of, yeah. You have that. And then there was another one that Stallone was going to do that was called, that uh, wasn't called this, but it was described as Die Hard on Martha's Vineyard, where it's like a Martha's Vineyard 
upscale, almost like those guys in uh, Violent Night. Uh huh. And the president's family are there, and a cult, a militant cult, takes over the island, and the John McClane character has to team up with the president to fight the terrorists, which I kind of like that idea. I've seen that movie. But those never happened. And so Daylight became the project that he did. I'm not willing to accept that the, all the survivors of the Poseidon adventure are back on a but trip But I love the idea. Well, I think it was that they were being transported back to safety or back oh. to wherever they were supposed to be going. But that would still be like 20 years after. I, I don't know how I like that. But what I didn't know about Daylight was that it was marketed as Stallone's last action movie, that he huh. wasn't going to do any more action movies that he felt, and this is ironic looking back now, right. that he was too old to do it. And this was only, what, 96? Six. Six, and of course he went on to do, well, a two fourth more, Rambo movie. Three more, two more Rambos, several more Rocky movies. Three Expendables. Three Expendables, so it didn't take. <laughs> but see, I never heard of this movie until you told me about it. And yeah. I remember I picked you up and we were driving through Jersey City and I thought you would you saw it, but you you actually was... I realized I hadn't seen it before yeah. because it's in a Blu-ray set that I have where I just wanted the other movie that was in the pack which is Dante's Peak. That's my father's second favorite movie of all it's time. It's a hilariously <laughs> bad volcano movie, but I kind of love it. Was it the same director or same um, writer? Same writer, yeah, Graham was... Yost. Oh, oh, let me check to see what I know him from because the name was... I only knew from Dante's Peak. And so I went and got that set years ago. And I thought I had seen it. But I, I realized I hadn't actually seen the movie. Which was more fun. Because we got to watch it. Ooh. Oh, he actually did a rewrite on Firestorm. Uh, Graham Yost. I feel like I know him from something more specific. Oh, Speed. He was one of the writers of Speed. Of course. Which makes sense. Which one's more fun? <sighs> Dante's Peak or Daylight? I feel like Dante's Peak is a crazier concept. Though. It is. I Again, I have a stronger affinity for that one since I've grown up with that movie. Yeah, I've only seen that a handful of times. But I do like the concept behind Daylight of getting trapped inside of a collapsing tunnel mm. is really anxiety-inducing, especially as someone who <laughs> takes a tunnel to and from work. Right. And especially it's the same place that I go you to. would go to. You know, I actually... When we started to watch, I said, I'm really enjoying the setup of it. I had to get up to use the facilities. Sure. I, I drank way, t- I ate so much water yesterday. And that firehouse sub just kind of. And a diet a- vanilla uh, root beer. Or not diet, a, uh, sh- what's it called? Zero. Uh, yeah, zero a, a Zero. Sh- but what was strange about it is I was, we were sort of saying, okay, this character is going to die. This is going to be the how it's going to resolve. Uh-huh. This, these are how these two characters are going to relate. A majority of the movie, we kept thinking that there were certain typical tropes and arcs that happen in these types of movies. And sometimes they did, but sometimes it wasn't what we expected. Or, yeah, sometimes we were wrong. Or sometimes we were right, but we were wrong about the way they got to them. Right. Which is good. I mean, it, it, obviously, this is the kind of movie that is a formula. And in mm-hmm. fact, a lot of it, you feel like you've seen before. And, and that's probably why you thought you saw it. Because you've seen the Poseidon adventure. You've seen Poseidon. You've seen... Towering Inferno. Didn't you and give earthquake? me Earthquake? Yep. I watched that one. Because there is actually, at one point, an earthquake. So right. it's like they're just ticking the boxes. And they even get a little of... Um, what movie has a lot of rats in it? I, I guess Last Crusade. Yeah. 
And I did like that. That was a weird scene. Because remember, they thought they were going to be eaten alive. That by, was odd. By rats. But here's what was kind of interesting in a kind of roundabout way. You don't expect full characterizations in a movie like this. Sure. And in truth, you don't get them. But they give you a little bit to satisfy you and to pay off things off. I'm forgetting who we have. So we have Stallone. Who you have George, the security guard, who I think is probably the most, aside from the playwright, George as a character is probably the most filled in. Yeah, because he's the he's the sort of security guard of. Right, he was working the booth that got crashed in the tunnel. I also like because, and then he's dating one of the other like security operators, operators in like this big war room that they have for the tunnel. I'm sh- I don't. I guess they. Do. I guess so. I guess. You need that, but I don't know. It almost seemed like the equivalent of in Doctor Strangelove, <laughs> where they're all sitting around that big table. They're in the Pentagon or right, something. And yeah, he was a good character because, and in fact, I thought about this later. He and his love interest, they never actually share any physical scenes together, right. do they? That's a good point. No, they don't. It's all via the phone the, or the, the the camera. Right, or the walking. And he has her bracelet, which of course is a charged object. It comes back later. He loves her. He's never told her he loves her. Blah, blah, blah. So you can figure out where he's going. But the acting is good. The character is understandable and relatable. So I like George. And several times with George, we thought he was going to die. Mm-hmm. And in fact, one of the problems that we had with elements of danger in the film was you know Stallone is not going to die particularly in the beginning right and the good part of it is that they don't try to make him so flawless I mean even though he is still the quote-unquote expert in these types of and he is at certain points a little too invincible yeah in this I'd like to see him get a bit more banged up yeah or just cut I want to see him bleed a little bit there's that scene where he's going down the shaft the um the one that has all the spinning fans fans right? in theory and we we mentioned this as we were watching it in theory this is very tense and frightening right, because there's if I was understanding correctly this shaft is being not protected but to get through these fans and get through the actual shaft, that is what connects the surface level with the lower part of the tunnel that he's trying to get into. Right, because Stallone is a former... See, this is where we were We were not exactly sure. I think he was either a former firefighter or like a he was like medic a, EMT. He was a uh, yeah, an emergency services chief. Yeah, and he and he was and of course there's some kind of tragedy in his backstory that gets revealed to us later. And that, that he he's he was fired. And now he's an Uber. Well, not an Uber driver. He's taxi a driver. taxi driver. And of course he's the hero who no one wants around because he screwed up. Right, and he made bad choices, but he's ready to prove himself. And I guess he's the one who because weren't they gonna bl- you have the evil mayoress. Who wanted to blow the dam you know, or blow the tunnel. There would have been, I thought, one person in the actual group of survivors mm-hmm. that would be the quote-unquote bad guy. There's not, re- I guess the closest you could say is Vigo Mortensen. Kind of, and even he was surprising. But yeah, there's no real, I guess the... In- there's no like human antagonist. Yeah, and I'm thinking... In uh, Towering Inferno, there is. there. I forget who. There's probably several who are kind of antagonistic in that they want the opposite. Definitely in The Swarm, there's a bad guy. Uh-huh. In Poseidon Adventure, which this is most similar to, Wouldn't, there's really... Well, would you count Leslie Nielsen since he's the captain? Yeah, but he, he's not a bad guy. He didn't, oh, that's true. He didn't purposely drive the boat into the... Right. 
Although Megan did do that with the Titanic. Do you it wasn't that? very nice of her. Yeah, I told her not to do that. And th- then she'll say to me, oh, I've never been on a boat like that. As if that... What was my, I, I accused her of doing something bizarre of like, why did you behead Henry VIII's wives? And, and she, she said, like, I've, I've never been, been to England. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Stallone, right? He's the one who has to then... He goes down that shaft. And the point of that is, you know that he's not going to get hurt. But with these other characters... You don't you, you, know. You don't know who. And I really thought I would have lost so much money if I was betting on George's death. I knew he had to die. Right. From from the second you saw him, he, I think he doesn't even utter a, a line of dialogue, but it was just the, the way that they were shooting him. Yeah. You were like, oh, well, he's dead. <laughs> and a number of times we were calling it too early. We yeah. were like, oh, it's this is the part now. And it's really not even a spoiler because... You know, you just know when you watch this. What's an equivalent example? It's like there's clearly other times in movies in which there's a character from the beginning. You're walking into the movie and saying, oh, yeah, I know that person's about to die. It's usually like in a horror movie, right? Where you sort of say, I know that's the kind of character that's going to die. Oh, and I remember in... Actually, really, in other disaster type of movies, if you have ones... There's certain characters that are either being painted as either too nice or too mean. Exactly. Or ones who have dogs. Most likely they're going to be the ones that die. Yeah. Or I, I knew the guy in the Chucky remake, the guy who was like the security guard and was spying on everybody. Yeah. I pretty much knew, okay, right away. that's the kind of character that dies. Then you had those other characters. You had the playwright played by Amy Brennan, who I do remember on the show Judging Amy, uh-huh. where she was... A judge. It was one of those terrible early 2000s shows. On that show, was it like, I'm a teenage judge? Or she was just like... (laughs) No, I think she's just, I'm I'm a judge. Oh, okay. Judging Amy. It was one of those... That was an odd character trait, too. I'm still... Why was she a playwright? It served no purpose, really. Well, and we kept thinking about it. I guess the rat part. Remember she opens her... Right, she showed that she had some sort of... This was really... That was really annoying to me. Because, okay... The writer is saying, how am I going to show that she doesn't have a lot of money? Well, we'll have the thing about the person leaves the message. We'll have a bug. But let's show that she's really, really... Right. The apartment that she has is really... It is so stereotypically in squalor. Yeah. Like, it's amazing that it's not just been condemned. Because there's bugs in her coffee. There's a rat in her dresser. Oh, you know who else was in the show judging Amy? Uh, Tyne Daly. Who, oh. uh, of course, was one of the Mama Roses on Broadway, mm-hmm. most famously, and Cagney and Lacey. And she was in The Enforcer, which was the third. Third Dirty Which Harry. is, I think, the third time I've mentioned it in our third season. Because <laughs> I don't know that I. That was actually, strangely enough, she's pretty much the leading female role. And she's probably the most annoying. Well, she also, I'm glad that they don't ever try to make her and Stallone a romantic couple. That was great because, because it was more of a buddy relationship, strange. They're just, yeah, they're just people that want to get out of the situation, which is nice because... When you're trapped in a tunnel, you don't have a lot of time for... There's no time for love, Dr. Jones. Right, exactly. In the words of Academy-nominated actor, Hugh <laughs> Kwan. But here's the thing. She's a playwright. Okay, I'm confused about... I need you to explain this to me because I'm genuinely confused. She comes home to her apartment. There's rats and someone... There's the guy on the her message 
My feeling is that she was she's with having a, an affair with that married person. a married man, right? Ooh, that could have been a fun twist. Is if that's the guy in someone in there, or that he? That's oh, the, that's really good. The he J. O. Would, J. O. Sanders. Sanders. Now that would have been great, and that almost makes like you always are looking for in a screen in a movie about connections. You don't want to have too many loose strands. It just doesn't feel right. Because that would have made more sense. That would have created more conflict. Between the characters. And and ultimately, that's the thing that is kind of a downside is that the characters that are trapped in the tunnel, not that there needs to be some sort of unifying bond between them, but they're really just random people stuck in a disaster. And not that there's any kind of connective thread outside of that. Absolutely. And the other thing is they all kind of got along too well. Like there was yeah. some arguments, but if you had those kinds of... You had the woman and you the had, um, married woman. You have J.O. Sanders and Karen Young are the married couple. If Amy Brent had been the the one that J.O. Sanders had been sleeping, that with. would have been great to create right. conflict. And then you have the conflict between his daughter Danielle Harris and Karen Young because I guess they're now back together. Well, here's the thing. Well, here's what I didn't understand about the Amy Brennan character, the playwright, because I don't remember her name. What, what was Madeline? Madeline. What was uh. Stallone's name in this? Kit, Kit Latora. Which, okay, forget every other criticism for the moment. <laughs> Stallone, Sylvester Stallone. He's not a Kit. He's not a Kit any more than he's a Link. <laughs> you know, it makes no sense. She comes home, right? And then her co-worker set, leaves the message about, you got to cover my shift. I guess she's living in New Jersey and then goes into the city to work, right? I think so. Or is she working in... New Jersey. I think she's working in New York and is because he says. But they're headed to New Jersey. Right. I think she's trying to head home. Oh, which home, was home. Indiana. Okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. So I think that, that was. Me. No, you're right. Because then the married guy thing was the last straw, I guess it's supposed to be. And, right. And then she was heading home. See, the problem, you have two ways of going with that, with her being a playwright. One is, okay, she's there. She has no business being there. She has no skills or qualifications to be there, mm -hmm. which creates more problems and conflicts because she's not equipped to deal with the situation. And then the problem is that she turns out to be almost more resourceful at times than Stallone. Right, well, that's the other flip side as well. What then does she bring to the table? She brings a lot. Like, there's that dangling cable. Which was, I thought, a fun idea. It's a power line or something like that that's still connected to live electricity. It's jumping like a real live wire. Exactly. <laughs> As they would say in shock treatment. But the floor of the flipped over bus is being now filled up with gasoline. Yeah. So the second that hits there, it'll blow up. Because the prisoners. To help that um, mousy prisoner that was kind of nervous. Yeah. She's trying to help him out by she takes her boots off and Tarzan swings across <laughs> the lake of gasoline. Because she puts the rubber. Too bad she didn't have a condom. She could have just. Sure, sure. And then she, yeah, she puts the rubber right onto the live wire and they she swings the overturned, or the prisoners from the overturned bus to safety. Right. See, but why did she, I mean, again, I almost wish that there is, what's the resolve of her story? Her story felt unresolved. Like, how did this experience change or make her Right, because at the end of the day, she's still going to be a struggling playwright. <laughs> she's, still, she's also... And unless she wants to now take inspiration from this 
incredibly, you know, stressful ordeal. A, how are they going to display a whole disaster scene on stage unless you're working with Cirque du Soleil? Well, well, see, I suggested afterwards maybe the old man should have been a theater producer. Oh, okay. Who then produces her plays. There's no real connection with that. And then, okay, then you have the old man... Who I still I can't remember. I realize what I know him. What do you from. know him from? Because I know he was one of the characters on the Goosebumps series, which had a two-part episode, The Haunted Mask. Okay. So he was like the main, not antagonist, but he was one of the villains in The Haunted Mask one and two. He's an actor who has that face. You've seen him. But I face. just know he has, and he's married to Claire Bloom who was a famous stage actress who was married to Philip Roth, a famous novelist, and Rod Steiger, a famous actor. And at first, you don't really get to know much about them, right? Because they're... Oh, they have the dog. They're the one that has the dog. And I got so angry when I realized that their car is the one that had the dog in it. But at least was... I felt like they at least tried to show... We're still aware that there's a dog in this situation. We're not trying to show that it's in peril or danger at all. Because we're they, not forgetting that there's a dog in. Because it's such situation. a fine line with a dog. Because yeah. if you kill the dog, the audience Lose is destroyed. You. They will never forgive you unless it's like part of like John Wick. Yeah, like or, that's the right, whole impetus. Or Old Yeller, where it's sort of building toward that. Just killing a dog by drowning it. Not nice. <laughs> not good. I mean, that will kill your box office receipt faster than the love guru. <laughs> the, calling, the opening of having a scene in the movie where he, he flosses with his nose. <laughs> I know. I like in the love guru when he is sitting down to breakfast and an ostrich walks over and lays an egg on his plate. <laughs> <laughs> so they had those two, right? And you learn about them a little later on. Then you have, yeah, you have J.O. Sanders, you have Karen Young, who returns to our podcast. As the, she was the former Mrs. Brody, not Mrs. Brody. She was Mrs. Mike Brody. Right. And she was also an FBI agent in The Sopranos. Oh. Around about about 11 years after this movie. And of course, their daughter is Daniel Daniel Harris, Harris, which I was shocked because here we have two Roseanne actors. You have J.O. Sanders, Mm -hmm. who played Dan Connor's best friend, Ziggy, otherwise known as the Zigmeister. And Daniel Harris played the next door neighbor daughter who was like in love with Johnny Galecki, Mm. who was the third Rusty Griswold. Right. It always comes back to vacation. Somehow, this is the second reference to vacation in this episode alone. (laughs) And who, who am I forgetting? I'm forgetting someone else. Well, so Viggo Mortensen. Now, that character for me was the... Oh, well, before I mention him, you then have the three or four prisoners. Right. One, One of whom is Trini... Oh, God. What's her name? Trini McGee. Oh, but the God. other one... Trina McGee, who was Sean Hunter's girlfriend on Boy Meets World. Right. But the other one, very sadly, is Stallone's son, Sage. Sage Stallone. Who, I guess, six years earlier... He was neglecting in Rocky Five. Right. He, well, what was amazing is that that character felt so neglected by Rocky being in Russia that he aged about six years from the time between <laughs> between Rocky Four, Four and, and five. five. He was so upset. My my dad is in the Soviet Union, 
and his body manifests this this anxiety by aging into from a and six then, year old into a because of the fact that he once again neglected him for that Tommy guy that he's training. Yeah, he then goes to prison and is getting transported through the tunnel. And strangely, I thought there was going to be some kind of again a connect a lack of connections between Stallone and Sage Stallone. Yeah, I thought maybe thought. it's like there's some father son. Maybe that was something though that either Stallone, whether that be Sage or Sylvester, was like, no, cut that. Maybe, yeah, maybe they were like, their their relationship. You said was pretty tenuous, right? Yeah, I for, think they had issues with each other. I think Stallone was a. Uh, well, I I think Stallone even admitted like, hey, it's pretty difficult to be Sylvester Stallone's son in terms of his physical self. Right. And I think he struggled to look like Sylvester Stallone, so he did the opposite, and I don't think Stallone liked that. How long has that kid been dead? Long time. I think a while yeah, now, it's yeah. it's kind of sad. Because he was actually very good in Rocky Five. He doesn't get a, doesn't lot, get a lot to, to do. do. I mean, he gets to uh, Mac on uh, Daniel Dale Harris, Harris which I want to see. I almost was thinking, are we going to get like a montage of them after? Of like the, their post- trauma life and they get married sage and and daniel harris and it would have been weird because she's like supposed to be 14 that was the strange part i couldn't quite figure out how old everyone was supposed to be right and then there was that one guy because you had four how many prisoners were there i lost I track think it was oh there was four originally there's the one guy who Gets killed in the crash no he's the one who is starting to show up stallone as like i'm in charge here because yeah. he sends um vigo mortensen up is the he shaft. the one who gets blasted he's the one who gets blasted back and then he's like i'm sorry <laughs> i don't want to die here and then he dies immediately he does actually he does the mask thing yeah <laughs> oh, tiny tim what, what does he say about tiny tim and the mask? Tim, tim, i won't be home for christmas Tosh, <laughs> god i do give a damn <laughs> It's actually that thing that they make fun of in Austin Powers when Mufasa gets right. shot about not dying about this like 20 minute death sequence. This guy in daylight gets blasted with what was it? Another chemical the, flame. Um, that was after debris falls. It sparks some kind of chain reaction and literally a huge <laughs> fireball blasts this guy across the tunnel. And he has a 20 minute death sequence pleading to the old man. Find my dad. Tell him I was helping people down here. I know. He won't believe me, though. <laughs> so, wait. Now you want me to find your dad, tell him you were helping him. Lie to him, and then he even knows I'll be lying, so why am I wasting my time? Also, who's your dad? Oh, you're dead already. And what's your name? I don't even know <laughs> what your name is. Imagine that he went through this long directions about how to find his father, and he never told the name. Like, this is my name. Because, <laughs> again, like the problem with this kind of movie is you want characterization but you also want things exploding and it's hard to get that balance there is, i think there's a decent balance in here because i think it's also top heavy in terms of that type of mm -hmm. balance because i think a lot of the really fantastic explosions and disaster sequences happen within the first hour it does putter out it slows down a little bit towards the middle and that's when you do get these scenes of them sitting around talking about who they are how that they want to get out and where they want to be because it's sort of a pick your poison thing i'm stealing your i heard you say that in an mm -hmm. episode because do you want the characterization in the beginning of the movie where it is in, in usual movies you get to learn about the characters and then just have non-stop explosions or do you want to just get into the action and then we'll pause for a minute take a breath learn about the characters and move on and ultimately i think 
another thing, and it's kind of sick to say this, but it's like, then there becomes a question of, are there too many characters here? Yeah. Have we not killed off enough randoms within our group? There's a balance between, I want to learn about these characters, but then there should be less of them so that this way their deaths are more impactful. Right, well, that's the or thing. Or can we start point. wiping out randoms left and right? kill off a majority of them and then you're stuck with the main six or eight people that are going to eventually survive. It's a good point. Here's another sick thing is that I was waiting I was wanting more people to die. I wanted a higher body count. It ultimately and then I thought isn't. about it, but in terms of the actual characters, yes, yeah, small, but how many people are in the tunnel? Quite a bit. 500, 300? I don't know how many you can fit in the tunnel. But I mean, 7, 8, 9, 10 survived? <laughs> You know? You're right. That that there is without without saying it. How many? You had the guy who was hit by light or lightning. All right. So there's three convicts. There's um, J. O. Sanders and Karen Young and Danielle Harris. Uh, the guy George, from, right? Who, but who are the people in the actual oh, thing? Oh yeah, yeah. There's about ten. I'd say it, I think it starts off with about yeah thirteen or fourteen people. And, and we get down and there's only like four die. Yeah. And of Basically. course, the weakest one that is the oh. I would say is the most the, the, ridiculous the, the, and just kind of what the scaredy cat. Yeah, the, well, I would say the one who dies from a heart attack. I don't remember who that. Remember was. the guy with the dog. His oh, wife. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Just she just kind of not even keels over. She's sitting there talking about she's upset because they can't find the dog for a second. <laughs> And then he's like coming to comfort her. And the next thing we see is that he's like, oh, she's died. She died in my arms. Well, that's upsetting. The other thing, because on the one hand, I'm trying to think of who else. Oh, we must not forget to talk, though, about Vigo Mortensen. Who I really thought, because when we, we saw it, that's where we thought, okay, he's going to be, because what is he? like? A, he's almost like a Bear Grylls that's or Les Stroud. Him. He's like a... But is he a real world or is he like an actor playing? He must be a real world. That's that's what I think the movie didn't fully commit to because they give us the introduction that he is seeing his new promo, much like in Scrooge, where he's like, play it again. You'll love it. Right. Because he's watching because he's a like a survivalist. Yeah. I guess it's called. I would say the closest equivalent would be bear grills and he gets trapped in the tunnel and my initial thought was okay it's going to be that he's like he's actually a coward that he right. presents himself on tv as this but he has no actual background but then he was like ready with he had a, a it turns out that he's not and he actually is prepared which again a subversion of what i was expecting because yeah. he had his like spelunking gear in his trunk which Again, that wasn't what I was expecting. No, and he turns out to be, actually, like Philip Fitzroyce. But is that, I guess to my frustration, though, is it bad that he dies before, like, a majority of the rest of the action yes. happens? Yes, it is. Because it would have been better. Because what he really is is the opposite. And the Philip Fitzroyce character, to me, and this is my only, I'm the only one who uses this definition. <laughs> Is a character who's a who's an expert on something and is very arrogant about it. Mm -hmm. What would have been great is to have kept him around so that he and Stallone could butt heads. You'd have conflict and tension. You'd have some people saying we should trust Stallone. You'd have other people saying we should trust Viggo Mortensen. And so you would have had conflict between them, but you would have had conflict equally between the group. Right. And conflict creates drama. 
It also creates comedy, as we'll see in the movie Oscar. Right. But And I feel like, again, is it a good thing that then they subverted my expectations further by... I assumed he would die once he, I saw him kind of kick into action. But my thought is he would have gone out in like a blaze of glory. Yeah, what happened? Something fell on him? Remember he's making the impossible phone call? <laughs> he's climbing up through the debris that I think... Oh, is, he's trying to get to the other tunnel. And it's it's sort of, it's, it's wedged in between damage and the actual structural support beam that leads up to the tunnel. Because we know already that the head honcho was killed in that other, Mr. he was Pancake. Right, Mr. California, as they I, called him. Yeah, as I believe Dan Hedaya explained. <laughs> right. he, he, it's called, in tunnel terms, Pancake. Oh, so we know that he's he's essentially crawling to his demise because right. we know that that's where Mr. California died. But oh god, what was my point going to be? Well, so he's remember he's oh, making the phone call. The you know he's putting spikes into the wall to try and get himself up further and further. But he's also on a call and seemingly getting perfect reception. Wi-Fi was great in 1996 in a collapsed tunnel. Apparently, I'll tell you this. There are sometimes the internet cuts out on my phone, which is supporting 5G, Bluetooth, and Wi-Fi. In 2023. In 2023. But even within the world of the story, it contradicts because you have several scenes of George trying to contact the girlfriend. And can't get anything. You have the initial scene before Stallone goes down the shaft. I thank you. You know what I mean. Goes down into the tunnel trying to communicate with the playwright via walkie-talkies, and those don't even work. So how is it that Viggo Mortensen, in between the tunnels, gets a clear Because, call? again, that's also underneath the seawall. So he's literally... He's underneath... He's not even under the river. He's underneath the bedrock of the river. So how is a phone working? He's got a great plan. Yeah. He signed up... Who's that? Who's that famous person? Uh, who's a famous phone mascot? Oh, it used to be years ago. It was James Earl Jones for oh. uh, Bell Atlantic. I didn't. Realize that was his that. fame. And I, remember, in fact, we had a Bell Atlantic caller ID. That in those days you had to plug it in to the to the uh, phone, oh. so it, like it would ring. And I remember thinking, God, this is futuristic. This is futuristic. Yeah. But Stallone, I thought, certainly in comparison with <laughs> with over the, to- over the top. Yeah, I mean, in the first minute where he's. Just in the taxi. He's giving more of a performance. <laughs> but what was strange, also going back to his son, the other way I thought maybe it would go when I saw their names was I thought, oh, maybe it'll be like a father-son trapped in the tunnel. But you don't really need that. It, it, there's some backstory. There's a there's an element of mystery with the Stallone character about what happened in his past that I don't think really adds anything meaningful apart from... The backstory involved people's deaths because of Stallone's actions. Which they're claiming is a bad call, but the way that the movie presents it, it's that they were already there. It was like a building burning in, I think, Brooklyn? Yeah, and they go in to try to find anyone, and there's an explosion, and people but die. And they were already there responding to a call. And, so, And I guess he felt like, oh, we should have just not gone in because there was no chance of helping anyone who was even in there because it was too late, but we're going to risk it. But I guess the story is then a redemption arc for Kit. 
I guess. Loosely, if you're going to... You know, if it would have been furthered that way... They could have also gone really ballsy and committed to... Which they wouldn't have because Stallone was one of the highest paid movie stars. But they could have gone really ballsy and killed him off at the very end. Especially if this was marketed as his last action film. They could have pulled a... uh, What was that? Logan. Logan and had... Uh, him, you know, Madeline gets to survive that ridiculously unbelievable final way that they get out. Where they actually essentially... getting back to Jaws three, I thought that was going to be the Jaws three ending. You remember the and the Jaws three best Mike, Armstrong Mike. is where are they? And then the two dolphins jump up. I thought the dog was going to jump up out of the water. <laughs> strangely, well, he, gets, he gets to get out. Strangely, I was watching the Love Boat earlier. Okay. I just had it on the background, and I heard a voice. And I thought I know this voice from somewhere. And I look, and it's a young Bess Armstrong oh. on an episode of The Love Boat. This is, you want to know Rock Bottom? You've just heard it. <laughs> but Stallone, what did I find out about Stallone's, oh, when he was born, right? Did I, I told you this last This was time. the one we, yeah. Because you notice a lot of these Stallone movies, particularly in Over the Top, and you know you see in this time when he screams, his mouth kind of goes to downwards. the side. And when he was born, he had a, his mother had a difficult labor, pregnancy. So they used force snips. Forceps or forceps? Uh, forceps. Forceps. And a nerve was severed. And so his lower lip is paralyzed. So he can't actually move it. So that's where that distinctive acting, and I mm-hmm. think probably his, his lack of pronunciation of certain words comes from. Now, who, this was directed by Rob Cohen. So I think this was then three years or four years before the first Fast and the Furious movie. So I don't really know what he had done previously. Yeah, let me see. Because, I mean, it was, a, oh, he did the... No, he didn't direct that. Oh, he produced The Witches of Eastwick. Wait, let me see. Yeah, he did. Oh, Triple X? When was Triple X? I think like 2002. Trying to see here. Yeah, Dragonheart he did before. Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. This is really his first big, big mm-hmm. one. I mean, I thought it was competently made. Well, I was thinking about it too, not knowing that this was supposed to be the last Stallone action movie. It's kind of ideal for it because... It's mostly just him shouting the whole movie and then explosions and other incredible things happening around him. Right, like I'm thinking of the scene where he and the playwright have to climb on top of like a, a bus and they have to tie the the detonation Is that when the, um, the water is starting to come down through the top of the... Yes, and they have the, like, it's a cord. It's a, a wire that they run... And they have to get out of it in time. He has to plant the specific detonation deep into the wall of the tunnel, right? To to seal them. I guess they they were trying to seal in the water. Similar, actually, in Die Hard. At certain points, you don't necessarily quite follow what they're even talking about. Yeah. But you follow long enough. But I like that part because it got tangled up. I can't remember. Is this the part where it had my favorite stupid moment where he, they he, they successfully seal them in? And he's standing not on top of, but now next to that big oil tanker and he blows it up. Oh, that that's another part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it has like Indiana Jones where he's just running. But the oil tank isn't as long as the tunnel. It's like but for three the shot, is the length. It involves him running from something that's much bigger than him. When truthfully, if he just steps to the right, it will clear him and not be an issue. When was the part where they all cheered? And I said to you, what are they cheering for? They are still trapped in a tunnel. The gas is pouring it in. It was shortly after 
that thing gets sealed in. So they yeah. were because they first were not wanting another explosion in the tunnel out of fear that it might collapse things further, which is illogical. But see, that would have been a great moment to have had Vigo Mortensen. It would have been better to have had two experts going back and forth with about. separate opinions. That would have been great. On the one hand, yeah, I do kind of like that they killed him off before you expected it. And pretty unceremoniously because he repels down from this debris that is essentially about to flatten him. And he just looks up and spits his gum out and is like, oh, well. And then he's flattened. Kind of like when Dr. Uh, No, uh, Judge Doom gets run over by that. Remember, he just sort of stands there and goes, yeah, screams and he gets flattened and he got pancaked. I guess. I mean... Dan Hedaya. Or do you think it's even less ceremonious than, than Judge Doom? I, it's, I missed it, to be honest with you. I was... That's what I mean. I it's was so, like, like... I was looking to see where Viggo Mortensen was from. It's so... Uh, which, again, I kind of appreciate, kind of don't, because I think it would have been more interesting <sighs> of the movie to have, then, two experts, Stallone versus Viggo Mortensen, splitting the camps, if you will. Yeah. I thought Viggo Mortensen was from Australia or New Zealand. Is he from New York? You, you thought he was from... Uh, I thought he was from England. England. I think he's from Watertown, New York. And that's what I was looking at when he died in that. I see the president of the United States. <laughs> I see a future rap artist. <laughs> the uh, other thing that I was kind of impressed by, and we, we, we mentioned it, was it was all practical for, for the majority of it. When it wasn't, you knew because it so, was so glaring. But it made me kind of wistful for those kinds of... Have, what was the most recent action movie we saw in theaters? I guess, actually, the one that popped to mind, I don't know if it's the most recent, but we saw Ambulance. Yeah. And that was kind of a throwback to this, not quite, but yeah, that disaster one, movie. Even but, though that was a bombastic action movie, most of that was done practically. Yeah. And I still appreciate when action movies are made with things that are tangibly there. Yeah. And especially, this maybe isn't the biggest scale in terms of a movie, but because it's also a disaster movie, you want to be able to feel like there's real things in the shots. Yeah. And you want to feel like the actors are actually, you know, climbing around this debris and this destruction because if they remade this movie, it'd all be in a green screen studio. And I don't, on the one hand, yeah, okay, I understand why it has a some negative reviews, but I, I don't know. I think it's kind of snobby to, to, to totally discount it because, yeah, it goes through the playbook, but I liked, you know, wasn't what was the scene... The line that Karen Young says about, like, I think he's going down again. No, remember, that was, they've cheered because of something, and George is standing near a few cars, and he raises his arms up to cheer, and then the floor starts to crack, and he goes underneath. Yeah. And so the car is trapped now on his shoulder, and that was the first part we were thinking, oh no, this is it for George. And Stallone, and then eventually a few of the other survivors come and help him out, but the water that's starting to seep in is now getting up closer to mouth and even eye level for George, because he's pinned under this car. And good scene, by the way, actually. Yeah, because it was tense. And it was original, I can't really think of of a scene quite like it, I guess. And so... To help him breathe, they rip a um, like a gas pipe tube. from or like a, yeah like a tube yeah and so they put it in his mouth. So apparently, he it was completely clear of chemicals or di- diesel because he was breathing. Through. If he wasn't gonna die because of the car pinning on him, it definitely would have been inhaling diesel, diesel fumes. But Karen 
Young sounds like Mike TV's mom <laughs> when she's, oh my God, he's going under. <laughs> Actually, I, I just said I can't think of a scene that's similar to it, but when we were watching it, because all the characters come together to lift the car up off of George, and I was thinking, where is there a scene where someone says like, call me your mother and I'll have the strength, call me mommy, so I have the strength to lift this car off of you. Uh-huh. And I was thinking, what? what? I'm thinking like it's a dramatic movie of I'm your call me your mother. I'm it's a mother figure to a son. And right, I was thinking, where is that from? And I realized, no, that's from Rocket Man, when William Sadler, <laughs> when they remember they fall over and Harlan Williams says, "Call me mommy. I'm not calling you mommy. Call me mommy. You'll give me the strength to lift this off." <laughs> what was I watching recently that had Jessica Lundy, who's in Rocket Man? Oh, I was watching Caddyshack too. She right. plays the love interest in that. No real connection to Daylight. Just, just putting sure. it out just there. Just a fun little tidbit. I'm trying to think. Was there any other thing I told you to remind me about? Oh, we can't forget about the other line that made us laugh. Yeah. Which is the very end of the movie. It's maybe 20 minutes until the end in which Stallone and then the playwright Madeline have inexplicably slowed down and then they've fallen off of a falling stairwell into that pool of water yeah remember they're trying to climb out and which is um, very much like a scene from the original Poseidon adventure right but they he tells the group to go on and madeline is getting upset because she wants them to stay even though she knows that's the only way out Mm -hmm. and once they eventually are able to call out you know uh, they're, they're able to crawl to safety he gets into a specific alcove and the walls are shaking once again he's getting really mad at the tunnel and then remember he calls the cave a piece of shit <laughs> right and i thought oh god stallone is gonna fight the tunnel <laughs> like i just pictured the, the you're not so tough you know what I you pictured man stallone, and like in return to oz where the where the walls come to life <laughs> like the wall growing fish yeah, that, that was a weird... That was a scene I was genuinely confused by. Because at first, I thought the playwright was saying the typical thing of, go on without me, go on mm-hmm. without me. And then all of a sudden, she's begging them to stay. Yeah. Which, one, I didn't feel was appropriate for her character. I mean, I maybe there's a reality to it. But, I don't know, I was so thrown mostly, off Yeah, part. mostly she spent the entire movie essentially saying, if you have to survive without us, go. Yes. And then suddenly it's now flipped. And within the scene, maybe I maybe I misconstrued or there was so much water gushing that I, I mean, misheard it. But that felt very strange. Uh, and by the way, it's important to note that the dog does not die. Right. Because that... Oh, that was how they fall is because the dog is Right, because Stallone swimming. goes back to... Say, and that had a, a very, cle- I shouldn't say clever, but a very bit of necessary editing because it's the scene where they all have to, again, right at the Poseidon adventure, they have to go underwater to get to another location to get up. Mm-hmm. And they have to somehow get the dog to go down too. And you you see everyone swimming, but the one character they don't show swimming underwater is the, is dog. the dog because they would have been fined a boatload of money. Sure. But the dog does not die. That is important to note. And you know, having now had about a day to think about it, I think there's about two-thirds. How many is that? Yeah, two-thirds. That was really great. I think it putters out, as I said, in the end. The climax was, I mean... Also, the way that they actually escape the situation is by him burrowing more explosive, the last bit of explosive he has, deep into the caving walls. He blows it up. 
and they stand near it so that the water will essentially for lack of a better term, fart them up into the Hudson. Don't they do that in Justice League? Am I remembering that correctly? I think that, yeah, I think in that's the sn- in the where... Joss um, Whedon one, at least. That's where Aquaman first appears to fight. Yeah, and, they're, and they all get shot up the... The tunnel, right? Tunnel. I mean, is this the greatest action movie ever? Is it no. one of the greatest... Uh, it's not even the greatest Stallone movie. No, but it's better than Over the Top. I actually... I mean, it's not a, a, a film that really calls on him to do acting, but in terms of action movie acting, I thought he was pretty strong. And I felt like he, you're, it's weird to say if this was supposed to be his send off, he at least was giving enough of a performance where you could see it being, all right, he's hanging up that hat for yeah, you now. but because it, it, they carry him out on a, it, I'm glad he didn't. Yeah, and I don't think that he really was going to do that because money. Well, no, uh, he may have thought it, but he was may, may have thought, oh, I, I need money. Right. But, <laughs> I mean, if you're going to have an... Uh, okay, what's the log line? Sylvester Stallone is trapped in a tunnel and has to get people out. The one thing it was lacking, though, was just having Stallone put on a pair of boxing gloves and have the tunnel put on a pair of boxing gloves and then beat the crap out of each. It could have ended with a nice freeze frame with Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> Obscure Obsessions 3 is directed and produced by Taylor and Nick Zaccario and is a co-production with Tan Productions. Special thanks to Anchor for podcast distribution and to Twin Musicom and Walpurnia Music for providing the score. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for episode details, previews, and more. And check out our blog at obscureobsessionsblog.blogspot.com for movie recommendations, lists, reviews, and articles. We thank you for your continued support.